are your players positioned correctly? Are they trained? Are they coached properly? You know, um, and what, you know, how are they actually performing? Is that server actually upselling the things you need them to upsell? If not, can you train them better? Can you motivate them better? Is that to-go person, you know, packaging the, the delivery orders correctly, right? And how do I coach or maybe staff differently to make sure, you know, we have better outcomes for the for delivery, right? So all that data exists. The restaurants have it, like you said. Um, for us, it was a matter of getting it, in, you know, into the right format, but also to the people who really matter. And, the, you know, those are the folks, in, you know, in the four walls of the restaurant every day making it happen. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by Will Pasho. He has spent the last 20 years in the restaurant industry from Kami to line cook to restaurant tour, working at brands like Per Se, the French Laundry, and head of IT for Thomas Keller Restaurant Group. He is now the CEO and co-founder of Expo, a super cool data science platform for restaurants. Now, in case you fell asleep when I said data science, wake back up because this is really cool. So, Will, thank you for joining us on Give and Ovation today. Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me. So first of all, let's, I, I want to like quickly dive into Expo. Um, what is Expo? Why do restaurants need it? Because you obviously have had a lot of experience. And for you to be the CEO and co-founder of a restaurant tech company, it's like, all right, ears up because this is something special. Yeah, thanks for asking. So uh, Expo, um, you know, as a restaurateur, so the name first, Expo for Expediter, right? Short for Expediter. And if you know the restaurant industry, right, the expediter is that person who stands at the pass and it's like air traffic controller for, for the entire service, right? Front of the house, back of the house, making sure the plate's going to the right spot, that sort of thing, right? So that, that in essence, is the, the product we've created. And um, the idea behind it was, um, you know, as you know, like restaurateurs are using a bunch of software, a bunch of tactical software, right? It's like, hey, I got my point of sale, I got my HR, I got you know, ovation for my, my guests and I got loyalty and I got third party, you know, so on and so forth, maybe using 10, 15 pieces of software to try to manage their business. And I think, you know, this has really sort of evolved over the past five, 10 years of all this sort of tactical software, which is great. But what we kept hearing it time and time again is like, well, I've invested all this time, all this money into the software, but I'm not getting the actionable insights I need from all of it, right? Mm. And, you know, that's, that's the idea behind Expo is allowing you to, to bring all those pieces of software into one place, first and foremost. So you're not logging into like 10 different things, but then what became, what's really interesting is then being able to correlate all that, all those data sources against one another, right? And in the right, restaurant right. business, like where does the rubber meet the road? It's, it's your front line, right? It's your, it's your servers, it's your bartenders, it's your hosts. So to be able to bring all that operational data down to that frontline player to know exactly, you know, how they're performing or, you know, how you can help them in training or staffing um, and really making those changes, you know, at the, at the sort of, you know, frontline level to, you know, improve revenue, improve outcomes for guests, all those good things, using that data that you paid so much to, to, to get as essentially. Yeah, because I think that's the that's the question a lot of people have as I'm as I'm speaking on a lot of these panels. The question is this question comes up. All right, big data is great, but what do I do with the data? 
I don't even know what to do with little data, much less big data, you know? And, and so what, what would you say to someone who maybe they have a lot of data, uh, but they just don't know what to do with it? Yeah. And so that's our philosophy is our, well, our philosophy behind it is like data in the restaurant industry, data matters at, we call the player level. And some of, some of the stuff we say is like expo is kind of like money ball for your restaurants. And I, I think restaurants are a great analogy to sports, right? Like in sports, you have a manager, you have a team, you got to put the right players on the floor at the right time and you play the game. Right. And in restaurants, we have the same thing. We got managers, we got teams, every day is a game, right? <laughs> and you either yeah. won or lost that service, right? Um, but to understand, like, are your players positioned correctly? Are they trained? Are they coached properly? You know, um, and what, you know, how are they actually performing? Is that server actually upselling the things you need them to upsell? If mm -hmm. not, can you train them better? Can you motivate them better? Is that to-go person, you know, packaging the, the delivery orders correctly, right? And how do I coach or maybe staff differently to make sure, you know, we have better outcomes for the for delivery, right? So all that data exists. The restaurants have it, like you said. Um, for us, it was a matter of getting it, in, you know, into the right format, but also to the people who really matter. And, the, you know, those are the folks, in, you know, in the four walls of the restaurant every day making it happen. Sure. Yeah, I mean, what we find is like a lot of owners, a lot of ownership, a lot of management teams love data, right? They, they love the idea of data and they have it, but it, it's, it's living up, you know, 30,000 feet, you know, in the org versus where it needs to be at ground level, right? Mm -hmm. And so to take all that information, bring it together and then, you know, making it really easy for the frontline manager to know, hey, I need to coach this person better. Um, you know, that, that's, that's where the real impact is made to the business. So do you have any stories of, Here's an example of how, like, what's, what's a tangible story of like how Expos helped a restaurant? Yeah. Um, so I think perfect example in, in, in these times, right, with COVID. And as you know, like, and a lot of your product too, is like, what's going out, what's going on outside of the four walls of the restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. the, the whole guest experience has changed. So, you know, we have a, a customer, a partner who's a national, national chain, full service restaurant. And of course, part of their big picture strategy is like, how do we increase you know, delivery sales outside of, you know, outside of our four walls using these big platforms like DoorDash, Uber Eats. Um, and they were also launching um, their own ghost kitchens as well, right? So 100% delivery, you know, sort of off, off their main brand, but still within their four walls of the restaurant, right? Right. Um, and, you know, they were running into issues just operationally, right, on, on delivering these orders properly, right? Um, and as you know, it's like, if we're all beholden, or a lot of us are beholden to these, you know, to the DoorDashes, the Uber Eats of the world, right? They're the gatekeepers and they send you more orders based off of how well you're performing, right? The certain, the, the metrics that matter to them are driver wait times, accuracy, lateness, you know, th those types of metrics. And, you know, they're tracking it and, and they have that. Um, and based on, you know, based on how well you're doing, they'll send you more, more orders if you're doing better. Right. Right. And so what we, what we did with this customer is like, again, with Expo, it's like, Hey, you have all this delivery information. You have all the portals for DoorDash and Uber Eats. Now, one, it's really hard to get to. Every store has its own portal, which means you got to log in 50, 100 times to get this data, download it into a spreadsheet and have some guy in the corporate office put it into an Excel spreadsheet and try to try to uh -huh. digest it all, right? So we said, first, first and foremost, let's not do that. Let's, let's automate that entire process so you're not logging in 100 different times to 100 different sites, bringing that up and... Now, again, being able to correlate that against your point of sale data, your staffing data, you know, your scheduling. So who's working at the times of day where accuracy is, you know, plummeting or who's working at the times of day where or the days of the week when lateness is an issue. 
and being able to drill down and helping then the managers at those stores be like, okay, my Monday team has a problem with accuracy. You know, who's working that shift? Well, it's Casey, you know, maybe she needs more training. Maybe she shouldn't be on that shift. Maybe she needs more motivation. And so giving them sort of that magnifying glass down to the player level where then they can actually, again, provide that coaching, that training. And what we saw was over the course of the year, those issues went down and sure enough, orders from those third-party delivery services went up, right? Uh-huh. And, and even as volume in, increased twofold over, I think, Q3, Q4, their, their accuracy, their lateness, all those issues went down. As, as you'd imagine, you would think, you know, you're, yeah, you're sort more, of, you'd get worse issues. over time, but they were getting uh-huh. better over time because, again, they're just being able to shine that flashlight with the data that they already had at their, you know, in their organization, but putting it in the hands of the right people. So that they could, you know, make those real-time decisions. That's that's how it mattered, and that's you know how we made an impact for them. Love that. We we all, every restaurant has a case or two, you know, where they're coachable, they're great. They just need you just need to know what to coach them on specifically, you know. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, well, what what advice would you have for someone getting into the restaurant industry today? Maybe they maybe they want to start off in. Um, you know, they want to start off actually in the kitchen, you know, working their way up. What, what would you tell them? Would you tell them stay in? Would you tell them get away? Would you tell them go get a degree? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think there's two parts to that. And I've actually, um, I've actually had, I have a lot of these conversations. Um, and uh, yeah, the first thing I do say is, are you sure? <laughs> really think about whether this is the, the path you want to be on because it's, it's not as glamorous as, you know, the food network or, you know, those TV shows make it out to be right. It, well, it's hard work. It, it is. Is it, is it any worse than being an entrepreneur? You could be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I've gotten this question a lot. It, it's hard in different ways. I think the major difference is the physicality of it all. Oh yeah. Right. Restaurant tours, you're on your feet in the kitchen, you know, on your feet all day and you get home and you're, burned and bruised and battered. I think, you know, I don't miss that. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And what, what was um, the second, what was the second piece you'd say? To yeah. The and then after that part, if, you know, if they're really, if they really want to do it, um, and especially from the culinary side, cause I went to culinary school. Um, I tell them maybe don't do culinary school, save the money, live off of that money instead and go work for someone for free. Go work at a restaurant, oh. some chef, maybe a good chef in your neighborhood um, or in your city. And no one's going to turn down free labor, especially someone who's passionate and wants to do it. So I think that's where you learn the most, right? It's like just being in the kitchen from, from real chefs. Um, you know, culinary school for me was a little too, I guess, academic. And I learned, yeah. you know, was, I think most of us do learn most when you're actually in the real world. <laughs> and yeah, doing it. Exactly. I think, I think where culinary school has helped some of my friends is that it teaches them like the whys, like, you know, why does this flavor pair well with this flavor? And like, what's, what's the, um, the rationale for that? But I think a lot of you get, like you said, you get on the job as well. And, and the people who um, like, for example, those who after an MBA, they go and they get a job uh, versus people that, you know, will go and just do a startup. I find that by the end of that MBA, um, you know, the people who do the startup learn, they know just as much about businesses, if not more, because they're actually doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know that as an entrepreneur, you, you, you know that, right? It's like you just, you pick up things you never thought you would need to learn uh, yeah. when you're you know, actually doing it. <laughs> totally. Okay, I'm, I'm really curious though, Will. Um, last dish that you would ever cook, like it's your last dinner. What do you cook for yourself? Oh, man. I think I keep it simple. Uh, for me, it's, uh, 
it's either a dry age steak or maybe a snake river. I, I like snake river farms. Snake I know river, mail yeah. order from them. Like I get mail order from them sometimes. One of their steaks, that and a baked potato and a glass of red wine. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> baked potato. What do you put on it? Oh, everything. Yeah. It's the sour cream, the cheese, the chives, the bacon. <laughs> there you go. I like that, man. I like it when chefs get real, you know, it's like, it's hard to beat a really good steak. Right. That's, I, that's definitely my, my, one of my, yeah, my last meal, either that or an in and out hamburger up at that. <laughs> oh, oh, now, now we got, we got some gloves coming off here. Will. <laughs> wait, just, just tell me about their fries. Do you like their fries? Uh, that's a good question. So they don't double cook their fries, right? Which is McDonald's has the best fries in my opinion. But um, if I do order fries from in and out I, I make sure to order them extra crispy. Yeah. And, and then you got to eat them in the first five seconds. If they're not you scalding your mouth, it's <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> they're not good. Um, okay. So jumping back into some of the stuff that you've done, you've worked at some really cool brands, you know, uh, like, like I said, you know, per se French laundry, Thomas Kelly, rest, Thomas Kelly restaurant group. Um, how do they create these brands? It starts with, uh, I think it starts with the product, like anything, you gotta have a good product. Yeah. You do a few things, you do them really well. Um, and then you build from there. Um, I think that's one, I think, I think part of that is having great culture. Um, I think you can't have a great product without a really strong culture of just like-minded people. Um, but if you have those two things, I think then, then the, the brand and the external brand sort of extends from that. Love that. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense because you see a lot of these new restaurants coming up that are trying to do so many things. And it's like, what, what's the one thing that you do well? What's the one thing that you do better than anyone else? And build from there, you know, like a great, um, one, one of my favorite chicken finger places in New York City is called Stickies. And it's like, they do chicken fingers really, really well. And then they're able to expand their sauces and like do really cool sauces and you get multiple things. But like, what do you do? What are you known for? And I love that when you get so, so, uh, tied into that, that like, it's called Sticky's chicken fingers, right? Yeah. Sticky's finger joint. So, I mean, like, it's one of these things that the, the, the unique selling proposition is in the name. And that's like just a bold assertion of, yeah, this is what we do. And as opposed to if you're doing everything, chances are you're not known for anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to focus. I love that. Um, what do you think is one of the most important aspects of guest experience nowadays? Nowadays, I, you know, I, I do think it's, it's this evolution to, you know, delivery and the experience outside the four walls, right? It's such a, it's such a new frontier. Um, and I think, you know, what you guys are doing uh, just speaks directly to that, right? It's like, how do, you, how do you take care of your guests, you know, when they're not sitting there? How do you recover a guest when they're not sitting there and you can't comp, you know, the next, you know, glass of wine, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that's just a really important just future for our industry. It's like, how do we make sure that the guest outside the four walls is having just as good as a time, you know, when, when they can't come in or they're not sitting in your restaurant. Right. Love that. T totally agree because it's still your brand. It's still your food, you know? And uh, just because the delivery mechanism is different, it's not a server, it's third party. doesn't mean that that experience doesn't matter. And uh, love that. Um, what are some successful things that you've seen or tried lately? Some successful things I've seen, um, you know, 
I, I think the, you know, the, the ghost kitchen sort of uh, element as is, is, I think it's coming onto its own. I think, I think there's mm-hmm. some really interesting things going on there. Some, some of the partners that we, that we have using Expo, you know, using as part of their strategy, um, you know, from a business perspective, I, it not only expands uh, the sort of the channels um, that are, re- you know, revenue that you can, that you can earn, within the same sort of fixed cost base, right? It's still, you still have this restaurant, you still have this kitchen, you still have the staff, but it's giving the, the customer another choice uh, to, to eat right. the food, even if they don't know they're eating your food, right? So I think there's some really interesting things going on there. And I think the evolution to that, where it's, you know, if there is a future where there's no, I hate those, I, I'd hate to see that world where there's no actual restaurants, but, you know, if that is indeed the way you know, things are moving, you know, I think it's as a pretty important space to, you know, keep our eyes on as, as restaurant tech folks, but as restaurant tours as well. Yeah, totally. I, I, I know I always go back and forth on like the, the future of restaurants, like in a hundred years, what will restaurants look like? And I don't know, there's just something around like from the dawn of time, cavemen like gathered around fires and, and ate meals together. I, I think we're always going to get together as humans and eat meals where that is and how that is, I'm not sure, but it will never go full VR. You know, I, I don't believe that restaurants are going to go like completely virtual. Um, there's always going to be some mechanism of getting together because that community, I think that's one thing that COVID taught everyone is it's not like as technology gets better, we need less human connection. It's like, no, sure. we still need to, to get hugs, to shake hands, to like, you know, to to look each other in the whites of the eyes, you know, I think that and there's something that you lose in any virtual setting. No, I, I, I completely agree with you as a restaurant tour myself. Like I, I hope that humans continue to come together like the cavemen used to, but then I look at my little boys who are, who are 12 and, and seven. And I'm like, I don't know, by the time you're adults, are you guys living in virtual reality? <laughs> I'm not sure. I know it's, I, I just hope, I really hope that my great grandchildren are going to like, you know, to, to in and out and being like, yeah, great grandpa was right. The fries aren't that great. You know, <laughs> like I hope, um, all right. Who deserves a, an ovation in the restaurant industry today? Will? yeah, good question. I mean, I love a uh, couple of folks that, uh, are my friends, but, um, are doing some special things. Cause I, I love Hawaii. If, uh, I try to go to Hawaii as much as I can, nice. uh, not often enough, but like, um, my friends, Anthony Rush over at Senia, uh, they, they used to work at Per Se in the French Laundry. So applying all those same great techniques with Hawaiian cuisine and Hawaiian ingredients um, in Honolulu. But then if you can't make it out there, um, another friend and colleague of mine from Per Se, Chung Chow, is in New York at a restaurant called Norita um, in the Lower East Side. And, and he's Hawaiian as well. So he's doing Hawaiian food you know, in a fine dining way or in an upscale way down on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So, you know, those are, those are two, two places I invite everyone to try if they're in, you know, those parts of the, the world. Well, mahalo for those recommendations. Yeah, right. Love that. Um, Will, how do people find you and follow your brand? Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in um, Expo, it's pretty simple, just getexpo.com. Um, and that, yeah, that's the best way to learn more about what we're doing. Awesome. So check it out, getexpo.com. Will, for taking your experience from incredible brands like the French Laundry to help us keep ours digitally clean, today's ovation goes to you. Thanks so much for joining us and giving ovation, Will. Glad you're with us today and thank you. 
Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.